If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Well, you knew Al Sharpton would show up on this one. I'm surprised what took him so long. I am talking about the Jordan Neely death. And by the way, it is absolutely heartbreaking. We're going to talk about that tonight on the Rita Cosby Show. This is, of course, the homeless man who had a history of many prior arrests involving many violent acts. Uh, assaulting. There was one charge of a seven-year-old. There was one of a 67-year-old. And because of all of that, um, because of all of that, there are definitely lots of questions about this case. And it's not so clear-cut. But if you listen to Al Sharpton, who did the eulogy today at the funeral for 30-year-old Jordan Neely, you would think that Jordan Neely just kind of got on the train and was suddenly choked to death for no reason. It is heartbreaking, there is no doubt, when you hear the history of Jordan Neely. Here's a guy, he was homeless, he was schizophrenic, um, he apparently was incredibly despondent after the death of his mother, the brutal death, by the way, of his mother by his father who killed his mother, Uh, It's absolutely horrible what he endured in his life in terms of the heartache and the problems and then was homeless. According to one of his relatives, he was also involved in drugs a lot Uh, in and out. He had served some time. I mean, there are so many questions about his background and it is heartbreaking. There's no doubt about it. Um, When I hear the stories and when I see a person on the street um, and often I see a homeless veteran. You know, who've dealt with post-traumatic stress or problems like that. My heart breaks. Um, on the other hand, that doesn't give you a right to go onto a crowded subway train and start threatening people and start saying, I'm going to kill you, Mother Blanks, which is according to one of the new witnesses that has come forward, who was an eyewitness. That is what they are telling the New York Post and others. They are basically saying it's a woman who was on the train, a 66-year-old, She got on the train and was there and overheard everything. She said people were so worried about this guy, Jordan Neely. Uh, This wasn't Mother Teresa on the train. And if you listen to Al Sharpton, you would think that, indeed, that was the case with Jordan Neely. But if you hear from other people that were there, they say this is a guy who got on. He was acting really threatening. He was very dangerous. He was very scary. And they were worried he was going to kill somebody on the train. If somebody gets on a crowded subway train, and I have been on the subway trains in New York, I'll be honest, I don't go on on that often because I don't like to go into war zones, right? But 
when you go onto the subway train, it's like duck. It is one of the scariest things in the world. And this 66-year-old woman who has just recently come forward says when she got on the train, she saw this guy who was acting really threatening, really scary, talking about shooting, talking about firing bullets, talking about, Moon, you hear that? And you hear someone saying, I'm prepared to die. I'm going to kill you, you mother blanks. Guess what? I think they're a little crazy and they're a little violent and they're not again uh, you know, Mother Teresa hopping on the uh, the Sisters of the Poor hopping on the subway. You know, call me crazy, but that person might be a little scary. And especially when you think about on a subway, you know, there is nowhere to go. You're you're on a subway. They're underground. You're dealing with this person. You don't know if they're going to snap. You don't know if they have a weapon. You don't know when you hear that they were throwing things. They were apparently throwing garbage. They were shouting, throwing their clothes. Again, even just the verbal comments alone that we have heard. And again, this is coming from witnesses who don't know the Marine, Daniel Penny. They're just saying it. They weren't friends of Daniel Penny. They're just saying it because they were bystanders who saw this scary situation. And when you hear these details, it's a very different story than what you heard from Al Sharpton today. Now, listen, I firmly believe, obviously, uh, it is a tragic, terrible, terrible situation when you hear what happened to Jordan Neely and you hear the stories of basically his life. It is an all right tragic tale. And it's a tale of also New York City and other big cities around this country that need to do more to help our mentally ill. There is no question about it. I feel like when you look at the history of Jordan Neely, there are a lot of people you can blame. You can blame New York City that they didn't somehow lock him up. You can blame New York City that they didn't get him institutionalized voluntarily or involuntarily. You can blame people maybe around him. I don't know the whole history. Were they trying to get him help and somebody refused or were they turning a blind eye? We don't know. I don't know the details. But clearly, there are a lot of factors that are involved to this moment. And he clearly had uh, a bad deck handed to him. I mean, it's horrible. When I hear the story of what happened with his mother, that is a gut punch. That is a gut punch. And that would obviously destroy anybody's life. But it still doesn't give an excuse to what he did that day on the F train. Here it is. It is May 1st. He's on the F train uh, going to 2nd Avenue. There's the other stop that basically where a lot of these things happen. There's maybe about 90 seconds in between those two stops. We see the video. Everybody has seen the video. Three minutes of video that has gone viral around the world. And now people are coming forward to explain what they saw even before the video cameras rolled. They are saying most people that we've heard, everybody I've heard, other than anybody close to Jordan Neely. And again, they weren't on the train. They weren't there at that moment. But we've heard from Daniel Penny's attorney saying it was self-defense. We've heard from Jordan Neely's attorney saying, no, suddenly he just got on the train and was just suddenly choked as if he didn't do anything to precipitate this moment and nothing to warrant anybody being scared of him. And in fact, there was a comment from Jordan Neely's attorneys, the family of Jordan Neely, the attorneys, and they essentially said, you know what, they actually blamed the other passengers on the train. They said, why didn't they go over to Jordan Neely and say, can I help you, sir? What can I do to help you, sir? 
And guess what? In a perfect world, if he was acting calm, that would have been a nice thing to do. Can I give you a sandwich? Can I give you, you know, something to eat? Can I give you something to drink? I actually think that's a lovely thing to do. I have probably given away 5,000 sandwiches in my life. I can't tell you how many times I've walked out of if I was out of a McDonald's or somewhere else. And I've like given my whole meal and then gone back in the McDonald's and bought something for me. I do it all the time. And I think anybody who cares a heart for anybody who's in dire need, if they genuinely are in dire need, there's some who aren't who pretend like they are. But anyway, if they genuinely are, I think obviously let's try to help our fellow man. But the attorneys for Jordan Neely make it sound like he was calm. Everything was fine. And that when somebody's in probably a schizophrenic, potentially drug-fueled state, we don't know the toxicology report, we don't know the autopsy yet, but if somebody's in that kind of state, the last thing you want to do is go over to the guy and say, can I help you? Then he's going to go, whoa, let me change my focus to you. Is there anybody who's gutsy enough out there, man or woman, when somebody's in a drug-fueled state, potentially, and someone is shouting and screaming, according to what all of these witnesses have said, and basically saying, Mother blank, I'm going to kill you. I don't think you want to go over and say, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Guess what? Call me crazy. That's not what you want to say. But if you listen to Al Sharpton today, who gave obviously a very one-sided eulogy for Jordan Neely, he makes it sound like, again, Mother Teresa got on the subway and suddenly she was choked. Listen to this. When I first got the call about Jordan and later talked with Johnny Green, who is pastor here, and Johnny Green told me of how Jordan's mother was killed. And her funeral was right here. And Jordan sat right there and watched his mother funeralized, who'd been chopped up. And he'd never been the same. Jordan was not annoying someone on the train. Jordan was screaming for help. We keep criminalizing people with mental illness. People keep criminalizing people that need help. They don't need abuse. They need help. People like that don't need threats, don't need action. They are crying for help. He says he wasn't threatening. He wasn't annoying anyone. Guess what? I think there's a little bit of uh, rosy-colored glasses, if you will. That's putting it mildly. Uh, That's like saying Steven Seagal came up. And he just was shaking hands when he went into that terrorist compound. You know, I mean, give me a break. Here's a little more of Al Sharpton at the funeral. I didn't know you. I know your aunt, and I've talked to your dad. One thing I promise is in your name, we're going to change how they deal with homelessness. In your name. We're going to change how they deal with the mentally ill. In your name, we're going to change services in this city. Jordan, you didn't die for nothing. What they meant for bad will make good. We're going to have a new city and new city services. 
So if we look angry, we are. But we're not mad. Difference between going mad and being angry. Yes, we're angry. Because we're at another funeral we shouldn't have had to be at. Yes, we're angry. Because you see our children as objects rather than human. Yes, we're angry. Because you keep choking us to death rather than leaving, living, and building, and building, and building us up. Whoa. So is there anybody out there who thinks Jordan Neely just sauntered tiptoe through the tulips, got on the F train on a New York City subway, and suddenly was just choked randomly to death? Is there anybody out there who actually thinks that happened? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Greg on line three. Greg, your thoughts about this. I mean, Al Sharpton, talk about a gaslighter. Go ahead. Yeah, hi, Rita. How are you? You know, I, I, I should say I'm not stunned, Greg, because this is typical yeah. Al Sharpton. But, boy, does that, like, fuel the flames. People are already so sensitive to what's happened in this case. And and you heard my take. I feel so bad for Jordan Neely. Um, I feel so bad for the people on the subway. I feel bad for the Marine. It's a tragic story. Uh, but, to, to, but to paint it like, you know, he just kind of happened to get on and somebody just choked him for the heck of it, that's not correct, Greg. Go ahead. Yeah, and I feel bad for the people who have to defend themselves they're being uh, victimized. They're, they're, they're being criminalized. You can't, you're not allowed to defend yourself. I mean, you know, and I, Sharpton blames like 100 people for this guy's death. How come he doesn't include himself in that, uh, in that group? He knows where the subways are. When was the last time he was down there helping anybody? When was the last time he was giving somebody a sandwich? When was the last time he was doing something besides complaining about how how uh, white people are doing uh, black people wrong. When was the last time he was doing anything else besides that? You know what? You bring up a superb point, Greg, because you're right. I can't remember when I've seen him on the subway. And you know what? Where was he? There have been 27 other recent deaths. Uh, This is in like the last like two years or so on the New York City subway. Transit crime is up 53 percent, by the way. So this is a, a clear statistic of where this is going. And you're right. Where was Al Sharpton? In my mind. I can't remember a time that he cared about any of those other deaths and shame on him because you know what? This needs to be a community project to help our mentally ill and to help all these other individuals as opposed to creating this racial issue and creating this racial tension when I firmly don't believe. And again, I wasn't on the train, but from everything we have heard, I have not heard anything that signals that the Marine Daniel Penny uh, targeted Anything to do with this guy because of race. He just saw somebody that was threatening other people and he was extremely concerned that the guy was about to unleash who knows what. And guess what? If somebody says what we had just heard in the last 24 hours and I brought up, Greg, the point, because this woman apparently says she's a 66 year old woman. She says she is prepared to testify a fast. And she said he said, I'm going to kill a mother blank. And take a bullet, and I don't care if I go to jail the rest of my life. That sure sounds threatening to me. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. 
In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. And by the way, everybody, you definitely have to tune in on Tuesday night. We have a no-holds-barred special, one hour live. It's going to be 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time on WABC Radio. You can also listen on WABCRadio.com. A one-hour I Can Ask Anything with Cuomo Answers All, former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo taking any question I want to ask on a variety of topics. And boy, is there a lot to talk about. I am looking forward to it. And that is going to be on Tuesday. Former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is going to join me live for the hour and answer all of my questions. Uh, Nothing is off topic, nothing off limits. Um, It will be terrific to have him. And we're looking forward to it again. That will be Tuesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time on WABC Radio. You can listen on WABCRadio.com. Meantime, we, are, of course, are talking about the tragic death of Jordan Neely on a New York City subway earlier this month. A really, really sad story. Everybody's talking about it. We've seen the video of the former Marine, Daniel Penny, 24 years old, from Long Island, comes behind him and puts him in a chokehold. And this was after so many people on the train are saying that Jordan Neely was threatening and making some very strong statements and saying, I'm going to kill you mother blanks. You can fill in the blank there. And basically, I don't care if I die. I'm going to blank take a bullet. Uh, That is really scary. You've got a homeless person in your face. You've got him throwing things. You've got him throwing garbage. And then he's making these kind of comments. Al Sharpton, however, thinks he is again in the league of Mother Teresa, uh, that Jordan Neely just somehow just got on the train and somehow, uh, you know, the Marine just randomly picked him out and choked him, which I think is really reckless of Al Sharpton to start putting that kind of rhetoric. And especially when you hear the circumstances, again, these are from the other witnesses who don't know the Marine. Uh, the GoFundMe page is a Give, Send, Go page. That has been set up, apparently, for uh, the Marine. It has exceeded over $2.5 million, and it's mostly small donations from people all over the country saying uh, that they want to support this Marine. They feel bad. He's been charged now, remember, with second-degree manslaughter. And if he is indicted, and the indictment could happen as early as next week, uh, he could actually serve quite a number of years behind bars. This is a scary situation. For him, And also a sad situation, needless to say, for the family of Jordan Neely, who laid him to rest today. They had a funeral in Harlem. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez showed up. Also other New York officials like Jumani Williams showed up and a number of others were there for the funeral. And, and absolutely heartbreaking for the family and a heartbreaking situation all the way around. 1-800-848-9222. one 848 Nine two two two. Let's go to Diana on line five. Diana, your thoughts. Hi, my name is Diana. I am a transgender woman. I am half Latin, 
And I think that Maureen was a hero. And I did a radio show in 2011 on the same station as Al Sharpton. My show came right after his. And you should have heard the technicians laughing about what a charlatan he was, how little he cared about people, how it was all phony baloney. And I am telling you, he's turning it into a racial thing when it's not a racial thing. It is a safety issue, a public safety issue. And God bless that wonderful 66-year-old woman of color who is coming forth and saying, no, I saw it, and it had nothing to do with race. You know, I'm glad, by the way, Diana, you brought up the fact that she is an African-American because this is the witness who was on the train, 66 years old. And as you said, she is supposed to be a woman of color. Um, Her name is not. I haven't seen her name. Maybe you've seen it. I have not seen her name out there yet. I think she wishes to remain anonymous for now, but has already come out and said that I would absolutely testify for this Marine because we were scared to death. Um, And I think that's really powerful. Diane, thank you. Very, very much for the call. Uh, let's go to Mike, line six in South Carolina. Go ahead, Mike, your thoughts. Oh, Rita, you know, Al Sharpton, the phony reverend, he gets he gets more dismal every single day. Stop criminalizing. No justice, no peace. Everything he said, oh, he made him out to be a saint of Mother Teresa. And maybe uh, I'm surprised he didn't say Oh, he did such a great, great imitation of Michael Jackson. Are you kidding me? You don't bring up what he did in his life. It's a shame he was mentally disturbed. And, you know, Daniel Penny deserves uh, uh, all the applause and all the money that he could get for what he did for his actions. And speaking of which, uh, the defense fund has gotten over two and a half million bucks. It's the Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which we love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great law enforcement and their families, a really powerful story coming from Fort Worth, Texas, where a baby was kidnapped when his mom's car was stolen in Fort Worth, and it happened just on Monday night of this week. The baby was found by the police in a car seat located in a nearby ravine. Now, the infant was crying when officers found the car seat, rushing to pick him up. And one of the two officers who found the child said in a video that was released, it's okay, it's okay, trying to comfort the young baby. Now, officers responded around 7 o'clock on Monday to reports of a kidnapping in the neighborhood north of Fort Worth, Texas. The mother called and told dispatchers that a man had jumped into her car and taken off with her six-month-old baby boy still in the car. How scary is that well the search for the car was immediately bolstered with officers from other divisions including narcotics gang and direct response units and it took them about an hour and 20 minutes to find the car located about a mile and a half away from the home of the caller but the baby wasn't in there so about 30 to 40 officers more got involved in the search and they said they were really really worried And then one of the officers said he and the other officers involved were lucky enough to find the baby because it was getting dark during the search. A suspect was suddenly taken into custody, tied to taking the car. And then they questioned him as they were continuing the search. Now, according to police officers, pressed the suspect 
to direct them to where the baby was. He finally fessed up as to where that happened, and it took about five minutes for them to find the baby in a ravine located off a dead end in a residential area. Uh, The ravine, again, was about half a mile away from where the car was located, and the officer who found the baby said, Uh, that he was just so incredibly delighted. Thankfully, the baby was reunited with his family and apparently unharmed. What an amazing story, and thank goodness it had a happy ending. Well, earlier this week on Cats and Cosby, which is the great show that I host at 5 o'clock on WABC Radio as well, uh, with the great John Katsimatidis, who's the owner and operator of Red Apple Media and Red Apple Network, which, of course, uh, distributes this great show as well. And John and I, I'm lucky to be able to host with John every day at five o'clock. We did a really powerful interview and I wanted to share it with you now. Uh, this is with airport employee Elizabeth Gomes. And you may recall, it is so timely to play this uh, because on September 20th of last year, around five in the morning, uh, an airport employee, Elizabeth Gomes, uh, was brutally brutally beaten by a repeat offender at the Howard Beach JFK Airport Station in New York. Uh, This was by a guy, 41 years old, Waheed Foster, and he had mental illness. He was a repeat offender with a long rap sheet. Sound familiar? Well, sadly, she still has definite scars to this day. Uh, The merciless pre-dawn attack on her left her without vision in one of her eyes. She literally lost an eye uh, because he kicked her and he punched her in the head so many times. And she said to us that, boy, she wishes there was a Daniel Penny at that moment who could have intervened and saved her. Listen to what Elizabeth Gomes told me and John Katsimatidis earlier this week. We're so honored to have you here. Uh, How are you doing, Elizabeth, first of all? Well, you know, thank you for having me. And I mean, for the most part, without having physical problems, I'm doing okay. You know, tell us again what happened um, to you. That video, it was, I I would tell you when I saw the video, my heart, I I wept. My heart broke for you. And I think every American too. You know, I thank you so much. And, you know, how we really started was just a normal day, how I would get up. And, you know, people don't even know, like, that night, I didn't even want to go to work. I had just did a double shift. And I got home about 11 o'clock to get back up to go back to work for 6 o'clock. You know, I barely got, like, three hours sleep that night. But I was willing to go because I have to find a way to provide for my family. So I got up, like, my normally routine, and I got on the train. But when I got on the train at, you know, where I live, there was a guy already on the platform, Waeed Foster, and, you know, he was doing the same thing. He was just talking. He was ranting. He was basically saying he don't really care what's going on and, you know, somebody's going to get hurt. And at the same time, as I'm listening to him, you know, I'm not trying to make it seem like I'm paying attention to him or I'm showing him any kind of thing that I'm, you know, encouraging what he's saying. And then I was also thinking, you know, maybe I should go to the next cart. But I was saying that car is not that full like the car that I'm in. You know, that's why I was I stayed in there because I was saying if anything happened, there's people around that can help you. You know, why would I go and come out the car and he comes behind me and then I'll be by myself? You know, or I'll just be with just two other persons where I'm in a car with about six, seven people with me. So I felt a little safe even though he was talking these things because I felt like if anything happened, there would be someone there to help. 
as I got off the the train at Howard Beach, you know, I, I was trying to hurry to the city because I realized right before the door closed, he came out behind me. So as I'm trying to gain pace because I see a gentleman in front of me, so I'm trying to keep behind him in case anything happened, he would, you know, kind of help or try to help do something about it. I was just already had that in my mind because I saw when he went in his bag to grab something, but by I reached up the stairs. He hit me in the head with a bottle, and I realized there was no Port Authority agent that was there that normally stands there. There was no PAPD. There was, like, not, nobody was there. There wasn't even the um, the person who works who, with the ticketing. Nobody did not come outside. I sustained about a 12 to 13-minute beating. Wow. There was nobody there, yes. A 13-minute beating. Yes. The video that they showed was just one footage. There was eight footage of the beating. There was the footage of when he first hit me in the head with the bottle, when you saw me ran, and the guy ran because the guy ran because I screamed. Wow. And, you know, I remember, sadly, the part I saw, he was kicking you in the head, beating you. You lost vision in one of your eyes, correct? Yes, I, yes, I can't see in my right eye. My whole nerve system is damaged in my right eye. That's why I lost the vision. <laughs> So it also caused dysfunction in my other nerve system around my body. So it, it's like it's a lot of physical things that happen to me that people don't really understand. And, you know, when you try to speak out, they think that you're looking for this kind of publicity. No, I'm trying to build awareness because I don't want anybody to feel what I felt. My life honestly changed that day that I received that beat and everything for me finished. I can't even attend properly at my job. It it hurts me every day that I wake up and I look at myself and I remember what happened because how can I not? It's something that happened right on my face. It was like he was just trying to tarnish, like he was just making sure that everything I look at myself, I remember that beating. Well, I wanted you to know, um, I saw you on TV the other day. You were still absolutely beautiful, and we're so lucky to have you here. What What are your thoughts, Elizabeth, when you saw what happened uh, recently? And Daniel Penny, the Marine, who stood up, who tried to help everybody, of course, on the train, and took Jordan Neely down. Your thoughts? You see, my thought is, is like, like that's what I was saying. When I was in the cart with those people, I was looking forward for somebody to help. That's why I felt a little safe. And if somebody felt the same kind of way that I felt, I'm, I'm, and they have better tactic of, you know, doing something, then, I mean, I, I honestly don't see nothing wrong. I don't believe in nobody taking nobody's life, but things always go the wrong way. You know, just like the guy when he beat me up. I'm pretty sure he didn't think I was going to lose my eyesight or anything like that. You know, but I did. He probably thought he he probably hurt me more. But like, we all need somebody to help. And if people is out there trying to help, why are we not appreciating that? For I, I agree. Up? I agree one hundred percent. This is John Katzmanides, and and uh, it, it just seems that uh, the district attorney is going after the wrong person. Right. There's a major more crisis that's happening just besides this what about the mental so we're going to keep mental people out there to be with people who's hard working just like me to make a way for our family where we have to be scared now to be on the trains with these people now we have to be scared to defend ourselves as well like I, I don't understand what this society is really coming to because like even when you speak up it's like a hatred towards you now because you're trying to speak the right things on what's really going on out there how can we want justice it can't just be justice for one person. It got to be justice for everybody. We all need the justice. I need justice. Other people that never speak up need justice. That's scared to talk because they're scared of the outcome of what's going to happen. The of the of, what, what's happening. the status of that case right now, Elizabeth? Like, honestly, the status with the case is that they recently just found out that he killed his ex-girlfriend a month before he attacked me. Oh, my goodness. 
Yes. And secondly, they're claiming that he's not stand for trial. He's still unfit for trial. Because uh, they're claiming what? Mental illness? Right. Wow. Oh, my God. Well, please keep us informed of what's going on and and, uh, whatever help you need, please uh, call us at WABC. We want to help. Please, thank you so much. I do have a GoFundMe out there if anybody do want to help. Tell us about it. Is GoFundMe? Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Gomes and and I mean if I Elizabeth really Gomes G O M E S Yes. Well, thank you, and I will go to it personally, and I'll I'll make a contribution. Thank you so much, guys, and I thank really you. appreciate it. And just know, I just really want the best for everybody out there, and I do wish justice for all the people that need it, and you know who truly wants the real justice. Absolutely. Well, bravo for you you for speaking out for everybody, to keep everybody safe. And, Elizabeth, we love and appreciate you. Thank you. Wow. I wanted to play that again because that is so heartbreaking. And the guy you just heard killed, I think uh, she said killed his girlfriend right before. He had viciously, brutally attacked this woman for no reason, who was getting off the train at 530 in the morning and now has lost permanent sight in her eye. Uh, it is just unbelievable. I also want to give out uh, the GoFundMe page again, everybody, if you want to donate and help her, um, because what an amazing, courageous woman. And after everything she has endured, uh, you can go to the GoFundMe page. Uh, it's under Elizabeth Gomes. Uh, we have it actually posted on WABCRadio.com. If you want to check it out, go to WABCRadio.com and you will see uh, the interview. Uh, you'll see a link also to her GoFundMe page. And obviously, uh, whatever you can do to help this really gutsy a woman who just endured the unimaginable. And you heard her reaction. She said, boy, I wish I had had a Daniel Penny, a Marine, around at that moment to have intervened so she didn't get one of these merciless beatings that lasted, as you heard, 10 to 15 minutes. That video was all over the place. And when you see it, your heart just breaks. Nobody's around, and he's just kicking her and kicking her. And the guy just kind of saunters off. After he's done, like, okay, all in a day's work. It is just shocking. And it just shows how scary it is on New York City subways. And now you can understand also why people who were on that train when Jordan Neely was there saying, I'm going to kill all you mother blanks um, and I'm going to take a bullet. Uh, guess what? I think they have reason to be scared. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to line five. Uh, Mike in Virginia. Mike, your thoughts. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's a mess. <laughs> I'm on Daniel Perry's side. If it weren't for him, somebody probably would have been killed. And, you, uh, you know what? I agree. We, you know, we don't know, but it sure looked like it was heading that way. Uh, uh, the, the problem is it's uh, the prosecutors, like somebody said earlier, they're, they're picking the wrong people. They're, they're attacking the uh, victims rather than the attackers. 1,000%. They have it all backwards. Mike, thank you very much. And also, you know, Al Sharpton fuels the flames. Listen to what Al Sharpton said today at the funeral for Jordan Neely. Here's a little bit more of good old Al Sharpton. There was no weapons. Nobody was threatened. And you grab them and put them in a chokehold. Two people hold them down. And you go to the precinct and they let you go. If Jordan was impersonating Elvis Presley, 
Jordan had been a different race, and they had him impersonating Elvis, and a black guy put Elvis impersonated in a chokehold, and two black guys held him down, they would not have let that black guy leave the precinct that night. It was- I mean, come on. That is Al Sharpton. That is outrageous. Is there anybody out there who actually thinks that race had anything to do with it? A scary person is a scary person, no matter what their color is. And if you are hearing somebody who's saying, uh, I'm going to, mother blank, I'm going to kill you. And, you know, bullets and the whole to do. And I'm ready to die. And I don't care if I go to jail the rest of my life. These are comments from witnesses who don't know Daniel Penny, but they were on the train. Guess what? They're a little scared, and they need a lobotomy if they're not scared. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John uh, on line four. John, your thoughts. Hey, Rita. Listen, Al Sharpton, we need the whole city, because I'm telling you right now, there's more than, uh, I would say, 2,000, 3,000 People died or whatever irresponsibly by this jerk's talking and be right in front of CNN. Let's have a protest in front of CNN since they're sponsoring or whatever he works for, MSNBC. Let's go with Savita Wall, who got shot because Eric Adams told her to go talk to a guy who's going to do something and see what happens. It's over with. The lady that you had now. That uh, she lost her eyesight. Yes, Elizabeth I mean, Gomes. Just, enough is enough with this guy. This guy has has more. Uh, you know what? I I, I go from uh, sorry Staten Island to get to uh, the Bronx once in a while, and you, you go right past the uh, was that National Ad- Action Network stupid little shop that he has off one forty fifth by the bridge. It looks like a drug. De- it looks like a drug dealer's pen. The, the guy's a loser, and all he is is a hater and a race baiter. You know what? Al, Al, maybe, maybe, Al, you should be in the subways. You know what, Al, your, your Democratic buddies who got free federal money, who are billionaires who made the BRC, or maybe the housing guy who's friends with Eric Adams, who has almost a half a billion dollars, uh, you know, I mean, uh, what you call it? Well, and, and, well you're, you're rambling all over the place. But, John, to your point, um, your your point is a good one that, first off, I would love to see Al Sharpton on the subways. And you're also your point is a good one about the fun, the money that money should be going to help these people. Um, and also more money should go, quite frankly, to a lot more police on the subways, too, because think about had there been a cop on that subway train, things might have been different, I think, for sure. Um, so, I mean, for Jordan Neely and for Daniel Penny, he would have had to intervene if there was a cop on that subway train. Hopefully Jordan Neely wouldn't have done anything if we had had more police. So we need to support our police. We need more officers there. And you're right that some of this money that goes to who knows what uh, needs to go actually to help the mentally ill and programs. And, you know, Eric Adams had talked about getting folks involuntarily locked up, those with mental illness, like this guy um, who are violent. And apparently this guy was on the radar. He was listed as the top 50 in New York, uh, who desperately needed help and was a danger, so he was on the radar. Why don't we lock up those top 50? I mean, you know, at least for starters, that'd be a nice start. Uh, if they're on the radar, get them off the radar and get them behind, either way it's behind bars or institutionalized, so A, they don't hurt themselves, and B, they don't hurt others.
We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. Well, uh, I'm sure they were screaming on the subway train, and uh, I'm sure they were dreaming that they could get off that train. Because if you're on a subway train, think about it. If you're on a plane uh, or you're on a subway, you are stuck. I mean, I've been on the subway in New York and in other cities around the world where suddenly you're in the train and it goes under. uh, And then they've even been stuck in between stops. You're like, oh, my God. And one of the times when I get off, every time I get off, I like say, Hail Mary. I'm telling you, it is so scary being on the New York City subway. There is so much crime, and it is a frightening scenario for anybody. And then when you have somebody with a history of mental illness, clearly mentally ill, clearly homeless, uh, ranting and raving, that's scary. And they start throwing things and talking about killing mother blanks and taking bullets. Guess what? I'm scared. And I think it is insane, and I think it's irresponsible of people like Al Sharpton to be fueling the flames and making it sound like Jordan Neely just got on the train and suddenly, because he's an African-American, he was choked by a white Marine. That's basically his scenario, and that's what he said at the funeral today. Obviously, you want to say nice things. This man uh, could have had a promising life, and it's sad that he wasn't able to turn his life around. Uh, How sad is that? Absolutely, he deserved much better than this. There's no doubt it's tragic. Uh, But to sit there and blame other people and not once basically blame Jordan Neely, he's missing the mark. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norman, line seven. Norm, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Yeah, I was going to launch into Jordan Neely, but, you know, the interview you made with Elizabeth Gomes, all I was thinking of now, I mean, I, I heard the interview, and uh, you were very nice to her, Rita, about, you know, being beautiful still, even with missing an eye. Oh, and by the but, way, uh, she is. You know, you know, you know, Norm, can you imagine? And, and I'll, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Can you imagine every day she looks in the mirror and she sees that she hasn't basically her, her eye. She's lost vision. She has the scars of that attack every day. You try to erase it, but she can't because she sees it every day. Your thoughts real quick, Norm. My, my thoughts are that, you know, I heard AOC and Jumani Williams were there today at the funeral for Jordan Neely. I was just wondering if those same people, uh, if, if, if they had all reached out to Elizabeth Gomes. And I, I somehow doubt it because, uh, you know, it's uh, it's uh, hey, Norm. It's, Norm, hold on. We're going to a hard break. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Well, the buses are rolling in. More than 20 buses arrived just a few hours ago to the nice Roosevelt Hotel in Midtown, New York. Uh, The hotel has been closed since COVID, uh, but it's right in the heart of New York City, right near J.P. Morgan. I'm sure they're very thrilled about this. And now the Roosevelt Hotel 
is becoming basically the arrival location for migrants coming to New York City. And again, 20 buses arrived just a few hours ago there. New York City is putting them all up in different hotels, including the Roosevelt Hotel. Right now, about 150 families are being housed there. They expect up to 1,000 families will be housed there. And also, they're sending them to other hotels, so much so that New York City has had 50% of its hotels filled. Isn't that amazing? 50% of the hotel rooms filled in New York City due to migrants. And Eric Adams is shipping them off to different cities across the state, uh, sending them up north, sending them in all different directions, just trying to move them out of the city. He also put a price tab on today of what it may cost New York. And this is a stunning number, basically saying it may cost up to $4 billion, that's B, $4 billion to take care of migrants that I don't think anybody anticipated uh, taxpayer dollars would be paying for. This is just an extraordinary moment. And even Eric Adams is saying they are overwhelmed. Uh, we've heard from Governor Kathy Hochul of New York saying there's a, you know, we're at a breaking point. She's saying we can expect a tent city in New York, that we can expect tents set up in different locations in New York and people sleeping on the streets. Sounds like a third world nation, not the great country of America and the great city of New York. What a mess. We're going to talk about that later on in the hour. And meantime, Governor Abbott is now trying to crack down. He has put basically wire along much of the border uh, right there with Texas and Mexico, because, of course, they're right there on the front lines, and also added security. He said, you know what? The federal government's doing bumpkiss. That's a nice way for me to say it. And so we're stepping up. And he said, as a result of what the Biden administration did, every single state is now affected and overwhelmed by migrants. Take a listen to the Texas governor, what he said just a little bit ago. One thing that we've seen, and that is... It's not just Texas that's a border state. Because of what the Biden administration has done, every state in America is a border state. Joe Biden allows these people to cross the border illegally, and then they are transported by the Biden administration to other cities and states across the country. Governors of those other states recognize that they are not going to be able to deal with the chaos caused by Joe Biden in their own states. And that's one reason why... I made the request for other states to join in this effort. Wow, what a mess. And we're going to be talking about that later on in the hour. By the way, needless to say, the border is going to be a big issue in the presidential race. Our newsman, Bob Brown, uh, just gave me this information hot off the press. Uh, former President Trump leading President Biden uh, by seven points in a potential 2024 White House matchup. That's according to a new Harvard-Harris poll. Forty-seven percent say they would vote for Trump if the election was today. Uh, The survey showed that 40 percent would back Biden and 13 percent were undecided. I want to know who are the 40 percent voting for Biden. You know, it's like, are you going to be in a coma? I mean, even today he was tripping over there in Japan. Uh, Even Democrats, a lot of the Democrats, I mean, you see it's a 36 percent approval rating that he has. Democrats clearly are looking for other solutions. Robert F. Kennedy uh, is rising in the polls. He has uh, over 20 percent in some polls, which is a really amazing amount in the Democratic primary. 
Uh, but this new poll is showing that President Trump is moving forward and President Biden is moving backwards in the polls. And again, uh, good news for President Trump on that. Meantime, what are your thoughts about everything that's happening with the case of Jordan Neely? That, of course, is the homeless man who was on the F train when he started screaming. The new news also, by the way, in the last day or so, they have located also one of the guys in the video. Now, remember, you see the video. It went viral where you see the Marine, Daniel Penny, put Jordan Neely, the very agitated and screaming and clearly a guy with mental illness. He has schizophrenia, all these problems, uh, shouting and screaming on the train. And you see already in the video that everyone's seen uh, Daniel Penny coming from behind and putting him in a chokehold, right? Well, now, remember, when you look at the video, you see two of the guys that hold him down also, Jordan Neely, because he's flailing. After Daniel Penny puts him in the chokehold, he's flailing. He's still fighting it left and right. And so you see there were two other guys who actually were helping Daniel Penny. Everybody's wondering, where are these two other guys? Uh, for a lot of reasons. First off, Daniel Penny was charged. If Alvin Bragg's going to charge Daniel Penny, which I don't think is the right move, um, and it's going to go to a grand jury potentially as early as this week. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in this particular case. But if you're going to do all of that, um, what are you going to do with these other two guys? Are they witnesses? Are they going to be charged, too, for, like, accessory to manslaughter? I mean, there's a lot of questions here. Certainly they would know because they were right there, at least to be able to hear what Daniel Penny said. They would be at least at minimum great witnesses. I'm not saying you should charge them. They were trying to help Daniel Penny. Um, But what do you think should happen to them? And how significant do you think they are? I think they're very significant. And it sounds like at least one of the two men that's seen in that recording helping Penny restrain Neely has been tracked down by the police and also by the legal team for the Marine. So that would be also really interesting information. What would they shed? And should they be charged too uh, by Alvin Bragg? And Alvin Bragg's world, he'll probably charge everybody on the subway. You know, everybody. And then, you know, put a statue up to Jordan Neely. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Well, a little bit ago... Here is Al Sharpton, who gave the eulogy at Jordan Neely's funeral. And take a listen to how we wrapped it up and how the crowd chanted at the end. No justice, no peace. That's what they were chanting, uh, because many people close to Jordan Neely say manslaughter ain't good enough for Daniel Penny. Uh, They think it should be murder. It should be like first degree murder, which you got to show intent that he like willfully planned to kill him. And I don't see any evidence of that. Uh, It looks like completely tragic events led to this moment. And he was trying to be a good Samaritan by all accounts. 
uh, trying to stop a crazed man from attacking other people. Was he supposed to wait until somebody was attacking somebody and they might lose an eye like Elizabeth Gomes? And we were talking about in the last hour that she's lost her sight as a result of a crazy madman that nobody stepped in to try to help. I mean, uh, to me, it, it's just what do you do? Just sit back and let it happen and have a train clearly with women and men uh, in you know in the middle of the day and just allow it to happen. What kind of a what kind of a man is that? I mean, it's it's scary regardless, but boy, it's a lot scarier if he did nothing. If this guy did do something much more serious, and he certainly was making threats. Yet, if you listen to Al Sharpton, again, he basically said he wasn't annoying anyone. He used that phrase, not annoying. I, at minimum, he was annoying. He was doing a lot more than annoying. I would say if somebody comes on a train and starts saying, uh, uh, kill a mother blank, Take a bullet. I'm prepared to die. I don't care if I spend the rest of my life in jail. I think that's a little more than annoying. Don't you? Well, here is Al Sharpton. A little more of what he had to say at the funeral today, giving the eulogy. I want to know who called the order that it was all right for this man to choke this brother to death and go home and sleep in his bed. Who gave the order that it was all right to release him? We can't live in a city where you can choke me to death with no provocation, no weapon, no threat, and you go home and sleep in your bed while my family got to put me in a cemetery. There must be equal justice under the law. No provocation, no threat. I want to play that again. Because that is such an outrageous statement by Al Sharpton. I, I, my jaw just dropped. Uh, no threat, no provocation. Are you kidding me? I just told you what eyewitnesses who don't know the Marine said. Let's play it again and l- hear what Al Sharpton actually said at the eulogy. I want to know who called the order that it was all right for this man to choke this brother to death and go home and sleep in his bed. Who gave the order that it was all right to release him? We can't live in a city where you can choke me to death with no provocation, no weapon, no threat, and you go home and sleep in your bed while my family got to put me in a cemetery. There must be equal justice under the law. That is an amazing statement coming from Al Sharpton. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Stan on line five. Uh, Stan, by the way, uh, I was talking to somebody today and they were asking about you. So I want you to know everybody is is wishing you a speedy recovery. I hope that's a good sign. Well, I just heard Sharpton and my blood pressure just went up. Oh, I'm sorry to do. By the way, way, Stan, I think everybody's dead. I'm sorry to do that to you, my friend. (laughs) Uh, uh, First of all. I think this is I mean I think this will not go to a grand jury. I think the grand jury will throw this out. I I can't see this even they'll take it, they'll look at it and say, "Are we are we going to do this?" No. Bye. And that'll be that. But if it does go to a grand jury, I also think that if there's a trial and he is convicted, either the governor or the president of the United States can pardon this guy. And I would do that immediately. But 
that's up to the governor. I don't think she has the guts to do that. I don't think she would do it. And by the way, Stan, I hear what you're saying, and I'm glad uh, to hear what you're saying because I, it'll be interesting. It could go to the grand jury as early as this week. There is one that has been convened, and they would start potentially as early as Monday. We don't know if they're going to hear the case right away, but there's a good chance I would imagine they'd hear it pretty soon. Um, and you're, like you said, they could throw it out. It could be a whole bunch of people who've been on the subway who've had scary experiences themselves or have seen these videos and seen Elizabeth Gomes getting beaten and, and other things too. Um, and also maybe hear from grand, you know, from, uh, you know, Daniel Penny. Um, so I think that there's a lot of layers to this to come. And if they don't throw it out, like you said, they very well may say, quote, no true bill. That's sort of the phrasing, the legal phrasing. In other words, we don't see it. Um, and then maybe I'll, you know, maybe uh, Bragg can say, well, I charged him, but the jury threw it out and it gives him, quote, political cover to his base. You know, that's where I think some of this is going. Um, and if they don't throw it out, like you said, and it goes to trial, I would find it really surprising if he ever does indeed get convicted, um, just because I think the facts, the more I hear of this, Dan, the more I'm hearing just even more threatening how it was. I, even when I heard it to begin with and the initial eyewitnesses sounded to me like it was scary. And now I'm hearing it was downright scary. Um, and it is. I agree with you. Whenever I hear Al Sharpton, my blood pressure goes through the roof. And those statements, I think, are just so reckless and so inflammatory. Um, and I just think it's such a tinderbox already and crime is skyrocketing. It's the wrong time to be hearing from someone like Al Sharpton, who literally is putting a light. He's putting a match to the flames. And that is a dangerous situation. Uh, people are already upset. Um, and my heart breaks for Jordan Neely and his family. It's a, it's a sad situation. He should have gotten help, but it doesn't give him a right to threaten others. Um, and, uh, Stan, most importantly, you feel well. Don't think about Sharpton this weekend, okay? Promise me you feel better, okay? I will not. Uh, I will not. Uh, I'm uh, having, you know, resting, taking care of myself. And as I said before, please, everybody, go for a checkup and go get a colonoscopy. And please do that to save your, your – the life you save is your own. Absolutely. Stan, we love you. Everybody's rooting for you. And, and we're so happy to hear from you, Stan. This makes my uh, makes my weekend, makes my night. And we love you and appreciate you, Stan. You take good Have care, my friend. Bye-bye. Thank you. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. After the break, 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Well, they couldn't run. They were on the subway. And it was a downright scary situation. Uh, it is frightening. Anybody who's been in a really, you know, just downright perilous situation on the New York City subway. And we see it all the time. Uh, you see the viral videos. They go all over the country. Any of you who have visited New York, you know how dangerous it is. And that's for other subways in major cities across the country. Uh, but certainly in New York and other major cities, it is downright scary and it is downright frightening. And that is the scenario that Marine Daniel Penny found himself in. 
1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Joe, line one. Your thoughts, Joe. Greetings, my love. I hope you're sitting down and have safety belt on because I'm going to hit this on rapid fire. First of all, when Creep Cuomo interview him, please wear a chastity belt and have American Marines protecting you. He's a sexual predator. Also, what I'm saying is this. This is absolutely ridiculous. Al Sharpton, where was he when little Nick Fairy Brown was beaten to death by her mother and her her mother's uh, boyfriend? Where was uh, the then Cardinal uh, Egan? He didn't even attend or officiate at the funeral. A 10-year-old child was shot in the head in the playground at the Stapleton Houses on Staten Island this afternoon. God help the child and God heal uh, Ms. Gomes. The point I'm making is, where's Al Sharpton? Where is Archbishop Dolan, Archbishop of the Archdiocese of New York, on this case, on the Penny case? A 10-year-old child fighting for his life. And let me tell you, Stapleton was a big business area. And in 1965, they opened the Stapleton homes. They did it. It was originally NYCHA was for honorable discharge American veterans, disabled American veterans on limited income. By the way, now, Joe, um, you know, uh, first off, I am looking forward to doing an interview with the former governor. Um, and obviously he was a former governor and, and it'll, it'll be, I think there's a lot of important things to hear from him. We'll talk about a whole bunch of different topics. Um, and to his credit, he says nothing's off limits. So, so I'm looking forward. I think that that's going to be wonderful. It'll be great to talk with him. And it's important to get his context. He's certainly someone who's been around a long time. So we will hear his perspective on a lot of important issues on uh, judicial misconduct on migrants. As you talk about crime, there's so many issues going on out there. Um, so many things, uh, cases that he's dealing with, obviously a whole bunch. Um, to your point, um, it is amazing about Al Sharpton, just as you just said. Um, it is stunning. Where is Al Sharpton when all these other cases that are happening, like you said, and I wish uh, all Democratic leaders and everybody, it doesn't matter they're Democrat, uh, all Americans, every New Yorker should be troubled by what's going on in New York City. And especially you just talked about that young child that is just, uh, it is heartbreaking to hear that, Joe. It is so heartbreaking. And that's why when I hear like the Al Sharptons out there fueling the flames and making it sound, as he just said, you just heard he said, uh, to choke this brother to death, no provocation, no threat, uh, as if it just kind of came out of there randomly. Um, Totally inappropriate, uh, totally outrageous comments by him and totally provocative. And it's just it is incendiary. That's the nicest thing I can say about it. It's completely irresponsible, and it's downright dangerous. Joe, we love you. Thank you very, very much. Uh, let's go to Andrew, line two, real quick. Andrew, your thoughts. Hey, Andrew, you there? Call us back, Andrew, if you could. Uh, let's go to Pete, real quick, line four. Pete, your thoughts. Hey, Rita, I went to high school with Al Sharpton. He used to walk around the halls with that big medallion on. It was about 400 pounds. He was a rebel rouser then. He's a rebel rouser and a race fader now. And then you get that other guy, the president, who's talking about at a, at a college that our biggest threat to the United States right now is white supremacy. What? Yeah, you're right. You know, it's like it is so irresponsible. I agree. What world do they live in? It's the Rita Cosby Show. Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes.
And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a really powerful story coming from beautiful Tahlequah, Oklahoma, where the Cherokee Nation honored three veterans with the Medal of Patriotism during their May meeting of the Council of the Cherokee Nation. Now, one of them was in the Army in September 2005, and he served uh, as a motor transport operator while stationed in Fort Riley, Kansas, then went on to Operation Enduri Freedom, Operation Iraqi Freedom, and so much more. Another served in the U.S. Army and began there in 1969, completed basic training in Louisiana, and then was sent also overseas and additionally also was part of the Air National Guard in Tulsa. And then a third was joined uh, into the U.S. Army in November 2001, uh, completed basic training in Fort Hood, Texas. And this woman, her team was attached to the 11th Aviation Regiment out of Germany for the start of Operation Enduring Freedom and Operation Iraqi Freedom. Uh, the woman crossed the Kuwait and Iraqi border in March 2002, and she and her company had the first had the first prisoners of war of the campaign when their AH-64D was shot down. She was honorably discharged in September 2007. Wow, what an amazing, amazing accomplishment for these three military individuals. And think about the heroism and the courage and the guts of all of them. By the way, each month, the Cherokee Nation recognizes Cherokee servicemen and women for their sacrifices as a way to demonstrate the high regards in which all veterans are held by the tribe. Native Americans, including Cherokees, are thought to have more citizens per capita than any other ethnic group. That's according to the U.S. Department of Defense. How beautiful. And many of them, of course, have served in the military and deeply, deeply love this country. Bravo to the great folks of the Cherokee Nation and to my dear friends in Chalaquah, Oklahoma. I love that. Well, we are talking, of course, about Al Sharpton. And needless to say, never miss an opportunity, Al Sharpton, to fuel the flames. And that's just what he did at the funeral for the homeless man, the repeat offender with more than 40 prior arrests, Jordan Neely. There was a funeral just a few hours ago in Harlem, New York, and this is what Al Sharpton had to say. The sad part about it, the sick part about it, is that he'd been choked much of his life. The agencies that failed to keep him and give him mental health choked Jordan. Those that let him go, even though they had his record of needing help, they choked Jordan. The city agencies choked Jordan. He'd been choked most of his adult life. He's an example of how you're choking the homeless, how you're choking the mentally ill, how you're choking all over this city. And we come to say this choking got to stop. Wow. Talk about revving up the crowd. And by the way, I do think we across America and across the world, we do need to do much more for the mentally ill. I've had friends who have had family members with mental illness, uh, not to the degree where we're seeing, you know, what we're hearing about here in this case, but it is, it's sad, it's tragic. And of course you want to help these people. But again, 
he makes it sound like people are just going around choking people. And the other thing, too, is in this particular case, we heard the attorney. I couldn't believe this. This is the attorney again for Jordan Neely's family. And he basic makes it sound like if you see somebody, you should talk to them. I want to play this. This is cut 5A. And this is pretty amazing. I couldn't believe when he actually said this. He actually blamed. This is the attorney. Again, just recently, Dante Mills, the attorney for the Jordan Neely family. And this is what he said. He blamed everybody on the subway train but Jordan Neely. No one on that train asked Jordan, what's wrong? How can I help you? He was choked to death instead. So for everybody saying, I've been on the train and I've been afraid before, and I can't tell you what I would have done in that situation, I'm going to tell you. Ask how you can help. Please. Don't attack. Don't choke. Don't kill. Don't take someone's life. Don't take someone's loved one from them because they're in a bad place. No one on that train said, you started out by saying, I'm hungry. I need food. I'm done with it. I don't know where to get food. I don't care if I die. I don't care if I go to jail. I'm just done. No one said, here you are, sir. Let me meet your need or help you in a situation or give a word of encouragement. That's not what happened on that train. No, it isn't what happened on that train. Because what happened on that train, according to eyewitnesses, uh, Mr. Attorney, is that suddenly Jordan Neely got on uh, throwing things, screaming, threatening people, and then said, I'm going to kill a mother blank, and I'm going to take a bullet, and I don't care if I die. So you wanted people to go over and say, excuse me, Mr. Neely, excuse me, sir, how you doing? Have you been? Well, I know you want to kill everybody on here from what you're saying or kill yourself, uh, but can I, uh, what time is it? How you doing? Is that, that's a nice shirt you have on. I mean, are you kidding me? That guy is in la la land. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Bernie on line two. Bernie, your thoughts. Yes, ma'am. Well, it, do I have to be brave to get on the subway train? Every morning because someone's having a bad day, shall we call them a crisis actor? Do we have to deal with that every day? Really? Who are raising these children? Where is their support group? Yeah, by the way, by the way, I agree with you, Bernie, that people need to do more. And look, I I hate to like blame his family uh, because obviously they just laid their son to rest uh, today. Um, I I think the I don't know. I know the mother, sadly, was tragically killed by the stepfather. Obviously, it was obviously a very difficult household to grow up in, needless to say, and a heartbreaking one. Um, But you're right. I mean, family has responsibility. Friends have responsibility. Um, I assume he had problems when he was going to school, maybe school officials, clearly uh, those in the prison system because he served some time. Um, And yet. Uh, he was back out and repeat offender, and he was on this top 50 list. I mean, that's the other thing, too. He was on this top 50 list. He was on the radar. So why wasn't he locked up? Why didn't the city lock him up? Uh, you know somebody is worthy enough to be on a list where they will create danger to themselves and others. So much that they're on a top 50 list. That's not a lot of people. They knew the name. Why didn't they lock them up? 
What what do you think about the city? I think the city bears responsibility, too. I'm just saying in terms of getting these people locked up, especially if you know they're on the radar. Sometimes you don't know. This one, it sounds like a big old neon sign. Bernie, your thoughts? My thoughts are this. Patriotism is they're going to put a gun in your hand and tell you to go over that hill and kill that man, and they're telling them the same thing on the other side. That's patriotism. Thank you. Well, I don't hear anything patriotic about any of that. Uh, I just hear tragic all the way around. Um, And I do agree that people, I think, absolutely have a right to defend themselves. And others have a right to intervene if they see that there is a danger. Um, Obviously, you don't want to do anything unprovoked. But if you're hearing someone who is like this, according to eyewitnesses, that is one scary, scary situation. That's my thoughts about this. Uh, let's go to Norm, line seven. Norm, your thoughts. Yes, Rita. A slight correction. It's bupkis, not bumpkis. Yeah, I know. I, I, know I, do my, I do my variation of it to keep you on your toes, Norm. Yeah, I know, I know you're a shiksa queen, so I, I you know, you got to correct. <laughs> well, I, by the way, you realize I was replacing it for what I was really thinking, but go ahead anyway. <laughs> Listen, um, it's Friday uh, night. Look, All I, right. <laughs> my, my thoughts are basically that, you know, Sharpton's there. Um, he's not there for people like Elizabeth Gomes. He's not there for the vast majority of of people on black on black crime. And that's that's very sad. Uh, I hear AOC was there at the funeral. AOC is uh, a representative from Queens. And uh, um, Miss Gomes was assaulted in the borough of Queens. And I, I'm wondering if, if she had at all reached out to her. I, I doubt it. By the way, um, I don't. I, and in fact, I think she said that nobody reached out to her afterwards. You bring up a, a superb point. Um, I don't believe any, uh, none of those individuals, according to what she told us, it didn't sound like any of them reached out. That That's a really great point, Norm, because um, where were they? You know, uh, you know, and she even said, she said, you know, uh, it, it's not, this is not a black, white issue whatsoever. This is an issue of bad people doing bad things to innocent people like beautiful Elizabeth Gomes. Um, and, and boy, Norm, doesn't your heart break when you hear her story, which she every day she looks in the mirror every day and sees that she has lost sight. You can see it. It's very visible what happened because this monster kept kicking her and punching her. It, it is it's tragic, Norm. Yeah. And and it's just look, I mean, I'm sympathetic to the mental illness of Jordan Neely and the eulogy offered for him and his family. You know, I find it troubling that network TV news, they they, they didn't real, they don't give a damn about uh, about Elizabeth Gomes, and it's tr- I find it troubling that network TV news is only showing 10-year-old films of him impersonating Michael Jackson and old photos devoid of any mention of his 40-plus arrests or the violence he committed on a 67-year-old woman for which he had outstanding warrants. Um, I, I, I just, you know, I... I I, you know, I'm realizing, you know, O'Reilly had spoken that we live in two different worlds, um, the the people who listen to WABC and the people that care about uh, right and wrong and uh, and the uh, progressive left. And that's, uh, you know, it, it, it's very troubling. And, it is. And, it is because uh, we got to get it together for everybody's sake. And, and to your point, it's common sense. You know, I, I and I've said this to you, Norm, and I know you know this. Uh, I've talked to you for a long time, which I always love getting your calls, Norm. 
I, you know, I'm one of those people. I talk to everybody. Um, I just care about people who care about the city and have the best of intentions for everybody. And to me, I don't see anything positive from what Sharpton was saying. I think it's outrageous. Um, and I think it is so um, over the top and just irresponsible when people are emotional, family members are emotional. Um, and like you said, he picks and chooses where he appears. Uh, let's go to John, line one in Pennsylvania. John, your thoughts. I just have a question. Did Sharpton, be, was he asked to do the eulogy or did he just show up and say, I'm doing the eulogy? Oh, that's a great question. My understanding is they asked him. I mean, it was announced that he was doing the eulogy. I know he didn't just show up. He might have offered. He might have called a week or two ago and said, hey, guess what? I'm available that date. Uh, but I do know that he was at least invited uh, to show up and do it. Uh, let's go to Phil in the Bronx, line three. Hi, Rita. Good evening. Uh, this whole thing with Neely and Penny, you know what's going to happen. The what? city is going to explode. The city is, is on the verge of exploding with this. these, these African-American uh, uh, troublemakers, people like Sharpton, you know, uh, of his ilk. They're, they're firing up people to commit acts of violence. It's not obvious, but it's there. And what's going to happen is if if Penny does not get any kind of sense, I'm pretty sure that the grand jury will indict him. However, on a much lower charge, probably third degree manslaughter, which is 10 to 16 months in jail. The fact is, Rita, a life was taken. The Neely did not assault him, did not have a weapon. It was an accident. It was negligence on the part of Penny. Penny, if Penny doesn't, I'm going to say this, if Penny doesn't get any kind of sentence, this city will, will be one big nightmare. It'll be hell on earth for the next next few years because these people are not going to quit and keep is going to go wild. But, but the most important thing I wanted to point out here is what do people do to protect themselves on the subway? Well, I've got one simple word of advice for you, quarter staff. Go to the internet, put the word Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-S-T-A-F-F in, and you will learn how to defend yourself with a legally approved and totally lawful way of defense. Oh, wait, wait. I think you got to hire a Marine, you know? Uh, my dad was rescued by the Army. I'll bring it. Let's bring in an Army, you know? Uh, but but I hear what you're saying. You know, now one thing, though, and obviously, Phil, I pray, um, and I know you do, too, um, that it doesn't get to where there are riots and protests. And that's not the way justice should work. Justice shouldn't work um, because we're succumbing to the mob to uh, prevent mob rule. You know, it should be because that's the right thing to do, no matter the circumstance. Um, You know, I would hope that folks who are on the grand jury do the right thing. I would hope uh, if they don't uh, say no true bill and throw it out, that a jury ultimately uh, does the right thing, doesn't get pressured. Wherever the evidence is. I mean, right now, it certainly, I think, favors Daniel, you know, Penny. No question. Um, But you can't succumb to mob rule. That's not justice. Wow, wow, wow. Phil, thank you very much. And before we go, everybody, also, I want to play a comment from Governor Texas, uh, Governor Abbott of Texas. Um, He came out today. He actually made some really powerful comments. They have basically put barbed wire almost along much of the border with Texas and Mexico. That's a lot of area because he said, guess what? We have realized that the federal government is not coming to help us. It's a free for all. 
And as we know, especially in the waning days of Title 42, they were saying like ten to 12,000 a day coming in. It was a stunning number. So we had to take law into our own hands. Uh, take a listen to what Governor Abbott had to say a little bit ago. It was just three years ago in these exact same areas where we had the lowest number of illegal border crossings in about 40 years. And the reason it was that way is because we had an administration that imposed the Title 42 policy, the Remain in Mexico policy, the ending of catch and release, and the building of a border wall. When Joe Biden came in, he eliminated all of those measures, and that led to the unprecedented illegal border crossings. Texas has had to respond to the Biden administration's refusal to enforce the immigration law. And so just a little bit ago, 20 busloads of illegal migrants pulled into the Roosevelt Hotel in New York, which is now becoming the first arrival center of migrants in New York City, basically the processing center. Some of them are going to stay there. They think at one point they're going to have 1,000 families. And this comes as we heard from Eric Adams today, basically saying it's going to cost New York City taxpayers, get this, Four billion dollars to take care of the migrants. Are you glad you're paying for that? One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And it is Friday night. Boy, what a long week this has been. It has been action packed. Uh, It certainly hasn't been boring. And boy, is there a lot to talk about. By the way, next week, it sounds like also uh, the GOP presidential field is about to get pretty crowded. Uh, Tim Scott, uh, who we've interviewed here on the show, Tim Scott, uh, the senator of South Carolina, who did a great interview uh, with myself and the great John Katsimatidis on Cats at Night at 5 o'clock on WABC. He is going to officially announce on Monday there's word that Chris Christie could be throwing his name in. Uh, There is word that Mike Pence may throw his name in, and there's word that Ron DeSantis may throw his name in. We know for sure Tim Scott and the others are sounding very likely may do it next week as well. So, boy, it is going to be another blockbuster week. And, of course, we will be covering all of that as those news come in. Uh, Also, the grand jury is going to be meeting in the Jordan Neely case potentially as early as Monday. So who knows? There could be something coming back later on in the week in that. And, of course, all eyes on the migrant situation. Now, as I told you, uh, the price tag basically is $4 billion is what Eric Adams is saying it's going to cost for the migrants coming to New York City. The average price per day, they're saying, is about $8 million is what it is costing New York City taxpayers. That is a really enormous Amount. Let's go to Roger in Massachusetts. Line four. Roger, thoughts about all this? All right. Four quick bullet points. Number one, the tourism industry is going to suffer in New York because it's going to be at least a few years before those hotels get restored back to tourism quality. Number two, we're talking about millions. Remember, you got a phone call a year ago about an Uber driver picking up uh, migrants in New Jersey. Yep, I remember. I remember. Buildings with red X's are meant to be torn down. Where are all the other millions? And number three, only sanctuary cities should be required to take these uh, around the country. No one else. But do you know what the thing is? 
you're right about the sanctuary cities. That's the invitation. Even sanctuary cities, people living in the city, you, you stop somebody on New York City and you go, uh, are you really happy that $8 million of taxpayer money a day is going? And you can find like probably, you know, ultra liberals and they're like, uh, heck no. I want to help people, but do I want to spend $8 million taxpayer a day? Uh, I don't think people realize what the word sanctuary cities, what the phrase actually means. Uh, until now, boy, do they know it. Uh, let's go to Tony, line five. Tony, your thoughts. Hey, Rita, on my Roosevelt Hotel, no trashing the Roosevelt Hotel. The Rikers Island, y'all going to go. Oh, whoa. I hear you, Tone, because that's one of the ideas. Uh, in fact, uh, John had thrown that out about John Katzmatidis about sending them to Rikers, take the doors off, put, make it nice beds. Uh, but he said that's an option. Uh, it's actually not a bad option because it's a lot of facilities. We didn't promise them a rose garden. Real quick, Ed, because I love you. We just have a few seconds. Eddie, line seven. Your thoughts, my friend. I know in high school you are probably the pierogi queen on the float. You really were. Thank you. you. Did I tell you that I met Dylan? Uh, You know what? You did. Uh, And that is, of course, I think that's the brother of Daniel Penny. Do me a favor, Ed. We're going to a heartbreak. Call us Monday. We will talk further. Thank you for honoring my great Polish heritage.